0: You're listening to Make the Game with Matt Hackett.
1: Welcome to Make the Game. My name is Matt Hackett. Come hang out with me and Shravine as we chat about his game Mid-Autumn and GDC Talk, Growing Your Code Library with Each New Project. Let's jump right in. What games are you playing recently or otherwise, you know, doing for fun? Ooh,
0: what games am I playing recently? Um, I've been really slowly playing um, Floppy Nights. I don't know if you're familiar with that. Floppy Nights? Nice. It's just like a little like turn-based um, game with like card, card-based, like kind of turn-based moving uh, units around kind of game. Uh, oh, and nice. it's kind of like relaxing. Uh, so I've just been playing like one mission every now and then, like once a week or something like that. really that. spacing it out. Um, yeah, I'd say that's what I'm doing at the moment, mainly.
1: Mainly. That's great. Is it like a five minute sessions or is it like, do do you have a, do you have a preference for like tight uh, small sessions or longer sessions?
0: Oh, um, I think it really depends. You know, I, I do a lot of like really, really small, like playing things for like five minutes. um, And then sometimes I'll try and do like longer things. Um, I checked out, I remember checking out like which strandings, which is um, Oliver Nelson's uh, game uh, pretty recently, which is like, uh the strand type game that he made uh with a bunch of mm. folks uh so i tried that Ooh. out and that was like uh i I, w- I appreciated that it was short so you got to kind of like experience the the kind of whole thesis of the game in like a, in a few hours um awesome. tried that race recently and then i think i've been also playing um a little bit of like uh some of the yakuza games uh, just on game pass and just like Just trying them out and just, like, wandering around. uh, Not really getting much done, but just doing that, like, as downtime and things like that.
1: Yeah, I I enjoyed a bunch of memes going around recently uh, about those games. A lot of fun. Mm -hmm. I mean, to get back around to those. That's really cool. Yeah, I'm actually working on a witch game, so I'll have to check out Witch Stranding. That's a a great tip. Thanks for that.
0: Yeah, no, it's a really cool. Like, they're doing a lot of really interesting stuff with, like, um, the way you use your mouse cursor. And it's yeah, so it's very interesting, kind of like Ooh. vibe. It's a very interesting vibe to it.
1: I'm uh, intrigued. I yeah, yeah. It's, I'll also check that out. I think
0: like I think you could go either way. I could imagine it not being for everyone. So I I think uh, but it was it was a lot of fun to just kind of see, especially when you like kind of know folks who are working on it. It's fun to see like the thought process that goes. Along oh,
1: with it. yeah. I think yeah. I think a
0: lot of the time I play games now. I, I just like to be like, oh, I bet this. of thinking about and it's more fun that way uh to kind of like live (laughs) vicariously through effects
1: yes have you found that as true for you or like do you have a harder time enjoying games sometimes because you pick apart uh how they're made yeah
0: no i (laughs) i was talking about that with someone earlier um i find that's the hardest for me with large kind of like triple a games i find myself like deconstructing them Uh, a bit too much and sometimes i will get like a like a big game like i remember um a few years back when when the god of war reboot came out for some reason i played it and like my brain managed to turn off and had a really lovely like weekend just playing through that um but most of the time my (laughs) it's just that pattern recognition of like you're playing and then you're like ah this quest is like this and they repeat these variables every single time and then once your brain sees that it like really <laughs> ruins the the kind of like the vibes I guess it just becomes so much like um you realize you're pushing buttons and that's not fun I think uh, yeah
1: yeah right you want like you want your hands to disappear and your gamepad to disappear and you want to be in the moment yeah, yeah
0: that's that's like the the ideal, right is when you're when you're not really thinking about yourself external to the game i think it was a very fun experience um but i think you know there's also been some games that are like where where you are kind of really aware of yourself separate from the game and that can be also a really compelling experience sometimes mm. uh but you you don't really see that in triple a games i <laughs> think you'll see that more in the indie space anyway uh but yeah i i think that's why i play a lot more smaller indie like weird things because it surprises me a lot more and that helps me kind of like
1: turn mm. off
0: my brain yeah
1: yeah i definitely agree with that yeah more more experimental stuff and interesting things within indie space sometimes right yeah yeah
0: definitely uh, it's it's still very fun to be surprised by like big big budget things i think that's very like uh i'm i'm often very impressed by it because it's like takes a lot of effort to get something really really like off the wall into into a big budget game like
1: that yeah, yeah, it's totally understandable. It's uh indies can kind of afford to be uh more experimental, right? Just mm-hmm. by being cheaper and leaner and uh faster.
0: Yeah, I know definitely. Yeah. Uh I can I can see why the, the things are like the way basically. Yeah. yeah,
1: yeah, for sure. Um uh, so I first um uh, discovered your work through um, a GDC talk. Um I uh a lot of times I have a hard time finding new games, but I'm I'm obsessed with GDC. Uh and mm-hmm. so I really enjoyed your talk. Um growing your code library with each new project. Um really cool. I, I have a bunch of questions about that. Uh, but first yeah. I want to hear about um your game, right? Uh that's really exciting. Uh you had a successful Kickstarter. It's called Mid Autumn. Um, yeah, I, just, I want to hear all about it.
0: Yeah. Um yeah, so mid-autumn, um I tell folks it's uh, kind of like uh, if if you like 80s and you like uh, Butterfly Soup or games like that, those, those are like, you'll probably like this game. Um, it's, uh, I tell people it's a supernatural game uh, and it's about kind of like Asian diaspora. It's about blasting evil spirits. It's about saving your, your hometown from gentrification. Uh, and you play as uh, Robin Lamb, who is like this recent college grad and uh, they just moved into their grandma's house after college Uh, much like I think a lot of folks in the industry they like you know went through college finished they didn't really have any jobs lined up and so they were like okay um, what (laughs) what am I going to do now Uh, so they end up crashing with their grandmother and uh, they find out that um, spoilers the spirit world is like real and exists and 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 if they want to stay in their grandma's house and pay rent they have got to uh, become the guardian of the spirit world Uh, so it's kind of like this fun, fantastical, uh, premise, uh, but we also use it to talk about like community and like, uh, culture, Asian diaspora, like, and, and just this idea of like, yeah, this, this small kind of, uh, community of like, uh, folks be uh, facing like kind of big shifts, you know, due to things like gentrification and stuff like that.
1: Very cool. That sounds awesome. I was looking at it. It's a, it's a beautiful game, really pretty artwork. Thank you.
0: Thank you so much. No, our, our um our whole team is like super they're always like killing it. I always I always have to tell everyone on the team because it is a small budget project. I have to tell folks to like do less work because everyone's always oh, It's interesting. a it's a real blessing to have a team that's like really passionate and excited about what we're making. So, uh yeah, yeah it, it's it's very it's it's really frustrating that be the person has to go like, "But we'll keep it small. We'll keep this small." <laughs>
1: Are you finding summons. that? Are you do you have to be the person that keeps the scope down? Is that what you're finding?
0: I think when you're the project lead, you end up having to do that some to some extent. I think also the the main thing is I don't want folks to be overwhelmed. That's how I try to approach it. It's like, you know, I think um I've I've been in the industry for some time now, and I I've worked on like a number of different projects at different scales. And I think that a lot of the time, um, even in like the indie space you know sometimes things can just be really really like intense a lot of the time to like meet deadlines uh even even when it's not like a studio that crunches or something like that sometimes there's just a lot of like intensity over over getting stuff in um and i really try to approach things so that there's always fallbacks there's always like hey if if this doesn't happen or we don't get this asset in in time mm-hmm. uh we're just going to do this and this is not going to be as good but it's going to be acceptable, and uh, you know, trying to give folks the ability to say like, "Hey, um, you know, I my my pet's sick, and I got to take them to the hospital," or something like that, and to feel like that's a that's an appropriate thing to say, and like to say, "Can I take more time on things?" Because I I find a lot of the time, folks I work with are very very uh they don't want to share things like that you know they feel like it's not an appropriate thing to bring up or um or, mm. uh, and yeah I, I really try to let folks you know police themselves and and let me know how much time and availability they have uh and then awesome. scope the game based on that basically
1: that's awesome i wish you were everyone's uh manager that's uh that's a really great way of looking at the time <laughs> i love well, that But i don't wish i was everyone's manager I'm so tired <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> yeah um that that's a that's a really good segue. I was curious about the team like how how big is the team and uh what, what's everybody uh working on
0: yeah I would say um the the core team um is maybe like like four or five folks uh we have a lot of collaborators that's one of the ways we're able to do things so uh everyone's got day jobs everyone has ways of like paying the bills and that's also why like when you look at our like Kickstarter budget, it's a lot lower than like some other uh, some other projects uh it's just because a lot of it was like let's use it to pay for like the extra development that we're doing and then we'll have jobs on top of it um but yeah we have you know we have um folks that we work with um in terms of like helping us with some of the like uh limited voice acting that we have in the in the game we have folks come in sometimes to help us with ui or with like specific animations um but i'd say um yeah, it's just a lovely team. I'm happy to go into more detail on folks if that makes sense. But uh, sure, they're sure. all they're all amazing, and I'm always happy to shout them out.
1: Uh, that's great. Very cool. Um, so, what what are you uh, doing on the project? Is, um, project lead, it sounds like. There, are there other things that you're also uh, doing? Yeah, or are you delegating um,
0: I'm doing I'm doing probably all the programming uh, oh, wow. and uh, uh, a lot of design. Uh, basically I, I do the stuff that, um, I can't afford to pay people to do. So, um, (laughs) yeah, no, that, that's a big thing with this project. I mean, even before, like, like, like I said about keeping the scope small, even with the art style, when I was starting out, it was like, this has to be an art style that I could do in a pinch because, Mm. you know, um, it's 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 just got to be something where folks have flexibility. So um, our like um, lead pixel artist Kiana is really just like dumbing down her style <laughs> a lot, so that it's something that like, in, if I had to, I could do it. I could do it like a really really rough. It's not going to be as good as her version, but but maybe I can like we can get get it together enough <laughs> to do it. I love um, that. So there's like yeah, there's elements like that as well. So um, I'm sure there's stuff that I've touched in like other aspects and they're all like worse than everyone else's things. But I just, I try and hide it. I try and hide it so that people can uh, enjoy the stuff that's really good, which is like why we bring like, you know, subject matter experts to do like the writing and do the art and do the right. character portraits and do the sound. Uh, it's really, really, yeah. So I, I guess to answer that actually uh, production, production, sure. programming and design, probably what I'm doing the most of. Wow. Uh, and then just like, yeah, picking up, picking up things where I can.
1: I love that. Yeah. The, um, uh, here's really well with your, your f- having fallbacks is is the, your mm-hmm. artist like toning it down a little bit so that you could fill the gaps. I absolutely love that. Um, yeah,
0: <laughs> <laughs> because that's the thing. If, if it was like, if it was a more like, um, uh, ambitious art style, I'd say, uh, I think the art style is like gorgeous. I really love it. I love like a lot of the things you get to do with it, especially like with the kind of, like lower uh, pixel density you know Mm -hmm. it makes our uh, we can do a lot more crazy stuff with animation because of that or things like that Uh, but yeah it really is like my worst case scenario is like creating a game where if one person gets sick then there's just a big like hole where like an asset needs to go and it just doesn't exist Uh, so yeah that's that's uh, I think if, if things are cohesive they just look better even if it's like you, you, the player is not really going to think about that stuff, you know. If if it's something's, um, if the visual bar is like at this level versus this level, but it's cohesive.
1: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, so Mid Autumn currently is in early access at the moment on Steam.
0: It's not in early access. Um, we will be heading to early access. Mm. Uh, I don't have details on the date yet. Um. But we're working on that. <laughs>
1: we're working on I love that, that yeah. It. No, don't commit yeah. until you're ready. I love that. Yes, absolutely. Um, and But like uh, people can wishlist it today, correct? People can
0: wishlist it. It's currently on Steam. I encourage folks to go wishlist it, please. It really does help me uh, not just like in preparing for like an eventual early access launch, but like, yeah, when I talk to folks about it people ask me how many wishlists so if if you go and wishlist that it it directly helps me today so
1: yeah i i follow the the indie game marketing stuff and i hear about those magic numbers like the wishlist list list numbers where like you hear it's like five thousand or something before the algorithm will promote you to certain categories and like i i hate that i just have to have that information in my brain these days to you know have a good path forward for indie sales and whatnot but uh yeah, they're all out there. And like the wish lists are serious. Like people take those uh, almost as seriously as the actual sales, right?
0: Yeah. Well, because it is like there aren't really perfect predictors for like launch success. Yeah. But that's probably the closest thing we have. And then I think there are some folks who just look at like raw wish list numbers. And then there are folks who really try and look at like organic wish list numbers, which is just like mm. the daily kind of like drip of wish lists that you get. Some folks right. think that's more important. Uh, because Wishlist, obviously, you can get a huge bunch from like an event or something like that, and then people might not actually be excited like about the game uh, on average. So um, I don't know. I don't actually know which one which is true. I just know that those yeah. are potentially both true.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's it's all very uh, all very hand wavy. Yeah. Um. Very interesting. You're going for uh, for early access. Did did you? Uh, how, how did you arrive there? Um, yeah
0: i i think that um we kind of always wanted to do early access uh and the reason for that is that uh i think it's i recognize that our game is actually quite ambitious in terms of when you're making a like a roguelite or anything like that or a dungeon crawler there's just so many variables like whether that's like power-ups or like you know, boons or gifts or all those things. And they all kind of like have to interact and, and be balanced. Uh, and that's the big thing is, is really like, there's no way for me even doing play tests, even like, you know, preparing for that to really see how broken everything is until it's like m- out at a much wider scale. So True. the plan for us is that when we, you know, we're going to do uh, a beta, like for our Kickstarter backers, and we're going to do stuff there. And then the plan is to put it out into early access and then at that point, like, there's going to be a lot of iteration in terms of like, okay, what's actually popular? What's not popular? What can we make the stuff that's like, feels weak, or it doesn't feel as good to make that more compelling? Um, so that when we get to what, what will be our like, 1.0 launch or something, that um, people play it, and then that experience is like, oh, it's so cool, how all these pieces link into each other, like, I don't think you get to that point. Uh, without a ton of te- testing. So that's what early access
1: for me. Oh, I love that. So it's kind of like, um, you, you plan on going full into that knowing you're going to get a ton of feedback. And so you're planning that into your development. So you will definitely keep, um, like early access would be like a learning. Uh, yeah,
0: absolutely. Like yeah. I think, um, we're making our best guesses, you know, with, with things. And, and that's kind of the nice thing is that the way I approach things is that it's okay for some things to be, uh broken in some ways like i think like mm. it's okay for like if, if everything is equally effective if every build is equally effective i think that feels kind of boring it is fun for players to go oh this one is like the st- like slightly stronger this one's slightly weaker but then to also have some players who are like well that's true for most players but for me this one that is technically weaker in the in the meta or something is like i'm really good at this for some reason and i think that really helps create a like a sense of identity for players in your game. Like, I, I think that's really mm. fun, you know, for players to be like, oh, I'm going against the grain and, and doing this, and I'm good at it anyway. Uh, and I think you kind of lose that when everything's super, super, like, even all the time.
1: Yeah, a little bit of asymmetry or imbalance is good, mm-hmm. right? Like, um, you, you kind of, almost like a roller coaster, you kind of want those ups and downs.
0: Yeah, I just think it's more um, interesting overall, I think, for, for players like to experience
1: yeah i saw um derek you uh, of spelunky fame was talking about um game designs that are spiky that Mm -hmm. have these big moments of pain but then a you know a real shallow calm moment of just like you know serenity or something and i I like that a lot like you i want something with you know big feelings
0: yeah no that's that's like the i i totally like agree with I, I think that's what you remember right I, I think if a game gives you a lot of like really smooth kind of like tension and things like that I, I think it's hard for you to point to specific moments in the game and so that's the thing like I, I want to help players with as mm. well is to be like here's a moment boom you're going to remember this moment And when you talk to someone about the game they're like what's it like that's what you can talk about and, and you get right. to like um, yeah you get to like verbalize what, what you're excited about
1: yeah very cool Um, you said something earlier, I know this is uh, taking a little bit of a step back, but um, Mm -hmm. something interests me a lot is you're talking about um, pixel density and resolution and then at something in the indie space, um, like the lines get blurred a lot, right? Yeah. Okay. A certain resolution or, you know, how to decide what size to make your assets. I think this is a really interesting question for you, especially because, you know, you have a, you know, a Kickstarter budget and you have you know, a a team and you have to like, you know, it really matters if you're going to change your size from 16 by 16 to 32 by 32 or something. Yeah. Yeah. So I was just curious, like, you know, how, how do you, how do you, how do you land there? How do you decide it's going to be, you know, this will be pixel art and this won't or what the resolution will be and and all that. That's a,
0: you know, that's a great question. uh, Because I do
1: think we've like, we've decided like some things will be pixel
0: art, some things won't. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and I think some folks might disagree with me. I, I think, um, there are a number of things I think about. Um, one is um, that I I look at things in terms of like what do we get for it, right? So so one of the things is uh, folks who are less familiar with like pixel art might not realize this, but as you go like up in like like sixteen bit, thirty two bit, sixty four bit, it actually like exponentially increases the complexity of oh, the yeah. of the drawing. Um, which is really interesting and I think becomes less apparent when you're just kind of like drawing freehand, not pixel art style. It's, it's less of a consideration. Uh, but with pixel art, to look good, uh, there's a lot of ways to do pixel art that looks incohesive. So so it really does like um, increase that. So for us, uh, going like smaller helps us in terms of like being able to do more, more variety, more, more, uh, interesting things, more robust animations, but it's not all a strength because going smaller, uh, is sometimes hard. Sometimes it's like, I have like eight pixels to make this look like a person. <laughs> uh, and I, and or like, here's a person. They have to like drink a cup of tea, but I don't, I, if I, if I move it this arm one pixel, it looks like they're like raising their hand. Yeah. That's impossible. That's super, super hard in its own way. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not like a, it's not a, purely easy thing. So that's a thing folks have to consider. Um, And like, uh, readability is also a thing, the lower lower pixel uh, density you go, it becomes harder to make things readable. Uh, And that's also one of the reasons why our character portraits, for example, are really, really, um, they're not pixel art, they're like high density. uh, Because uh, I think when you're working with uh, like things that are lower resolution, one of the things that a lot of old retro games did and had that was like really, really helpful was they would have the box art and they would have like the manuals and those would be mm. like in like like really, really like high fidelity things because you're trying to anchor something in the audience's mind of like, that's what this looks like, that's what I'm looking at. Right. Um, and that does a lot of heavy lifting for you. Um, and yeah, I, I think especially with making something that has like you know visual novel elements or like narratively driven games. Uh, thinking about where, what folks will care about the most. Uh, so we were like, I think folks will really want character portraits that are like as uh, high fidelity as possible, but I don't think they will mind as much if the characters look a bit more pixely and things like that, because it's where, where their attention lies and, and what they're using to get enjoyment out of the game. And that obviously has a, <laughs> is a trade-off, right? Like different audiences have different expectations, different different, for different genres. Um, and I think what I was trying to do was signal to folks that this is a more narrative game and that folks who like that will uh, mm. like vibe with this. Because um, I, I really don't want to like trick anyone into playing a game, right? I don't want anyone to come in and be like, Good. this is exactly like Hades or something, 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 and then go in and be like, this is, I don't like this. So I, I want to really try and give folks as soon as possible, if there's a thing that will turn them off about the game, because they probably won't like the game. I want to like give that to them front and center mm. and be like, this is what the game is. We're unapologetic about that. And uh, like, it, you know, if you try it and you enjoy it, great. But if, if I'm warning you, <laughs> I'm warning you, this is what the game is and and be aware of that.
1: Oh, uh, I love that. Yeah. I, I saw a, a tip along those lines recently, which was kind of like a, like a disclaimer on a steam page. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's so useful these days because you know Steam has just I, who even can count how many millions of users are sometimes mm-hmm. just getting dumped onto a page and like a lot, especially with um, so many indies making so many niche games these days. A lot of them are not for everybody, right? Like mm-hmm. no game is really for everybody, and you know more and more they're for they're not even for you anymore. And you're like you will be like that's a turn based tactics game that's for me, and it's like no, not this one. This is a hyper casual turn based tactics game with you know steampunk aesthetics you hate you hate those things um so more and more yeah i found that it's almost like a shield right i think is the analogy i heard is like you almost want that on your steam page to be like leave now <laughs> we, we don't yeah. want everyone
0: it's almost like yeah like i'm i i feel like i'm almost like negging uh our audience to some extent so it's just like if you're here you know like you've gotten through me saying like are you sure are you sure you want to play the game and I think at that point, they're like primed and, and, and just making sure I, I think that's helpful to a lot of folks uh, to make sure that they're in a space where they're ready to enjoy the game as well. And I think mm-hmm. it helps them just have a more positive experience, even folks who are more like apprehensive, uh, at least know like, okay, well, these are the elements I'm probably not going to like about the game. And they have that in their mind. And something maybe it surprises them and they're having a good time. But I, I think that that's um, helpful for folks going in to just set expectations.
1: Yeah, I love that. That's great. Yeah, I'm sure your Steam page is uh is going to do really well with, with you keeping things like that in mind. Um so, uh I think everybody listening should go Steam uh wishlist uh, wish uh Mid Autumn on Steam. Um I would like to uh get into your awesome GDC talk, which I also yeah, recommend absolutely. everybody watch. Um I have a specific question. Um I think there's a bunch of great stuff in there. I would just say, you know, anyone go watch it seriously. Like I you know, I I know I recommend a lot of things, but this this is a really good one. Like congrats, dude. Um, thank you no thank you uh, so a question for me uh, uh specifically uh, if you don't mind is um something i struggle with a lot is um i'll have two tech stacks right like mm-hmm. right now i've got a significant unity tech stack i've spent years cultivating and you know I, I call it my workshop it's it's very precious to me it's it's valuable you know i've spent hundreds mm-hmm. of who even knows the, like the hours melt away it's it's important i have built a lot of uh time and effort into it but then i also have other stacks, you know, and I'm sure people listening will have their own stacks, maybe like Python or Love 2D or uh, Unreal or or Godot or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, Mine is, I like to write largely from scratch. I'll make like uh, JavaScript-based HTML5 games you can play in your browser or wrap them up or whatever. Um, So I thought this might be a good question for you because it's like, you know, I'd like to adhere by the things you recommend, which is like gathering your assets and your code and stuff. Um, but what I struggle with sometimes is I'll like, I'll have like a great menu system that I've built in web tech and mm-hmm. then I'll have, like, I can't, I don't know how to shove it into unity. And I don't, I don't think there's a great answer, like, an easy answer other than like rewriting everything, which takes a lot of time. But I was wondering if you, you know, if you stumble upon, especially as a, uh, uh, doing a bunch of freelance work, I would imagine sometimes the tech stacks are like kind of out there. Um, but yeah. Any, any advice for, for how you handle like in- incompatible libraries, I guess
0: yeah i mean i i think that that's like it's it's not a great scenario right for when you want to do that when you <laughs> want to mm. you have this thing that's like i really need this in this project but it's in the wrong uh format it's in the wrong programming language it's just in the wrong mm. stack. yeah so i i think um the way that i typically address those scenarios is if i was working on like a contract i i might say like i need like i might budget more time into something and just be like this is the time that I'm going to take to convert this. And this might still be less time than writing it entirely from scratch. But that's also can be a gamble, you know, because it Mm. it might just be um, you might just be approaching it in the wrong way because, you know, all of these different engines or or, or whatever um, have assumptions that they make about how you do things. And so some things might just require you to to rethink uh, things. But I, I think what I try to do when I'm trying to convert something is i try to first take a step back in terms of like the actual like implementation i really just think of it in terms of like pseudocode or like high level what's happening what do do i want to happen in terms of the logic um and then i try and think of um yeah let's say like i have something in unity and i'm trying to go to unreal and let's say i want to use like blueprints uh to make it uh but I, i i uh for some reason, and I, I don't want to use C sharp or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. So I would I would be like, here's the logic of what I want to happen. That's usually something that you you understand to some extent about the code, um, and then you start to try and approach it from from the like way that the engine tries to do it. And I would start there. I would start trying to make it like the first steps, and as you do that, uh, it's almost like the process. I would imagine is. You go, to, you go into like one end, you start there. And I would always start from the, the target um, platform or engine or something. And you start there and then you go back and you look at something and you see if there's like something that can just slot in here because there might be um, in terms of like, oh, okay, this next bit is really easy to fit. And this like can basically be copy pasted over and it'll fit into like this part of it. And this part might not be. So let's just not ignore that part, do that part from scratch. Uh, and and so that's what I would imagine is like you basically build like a foundation, uh, thinking about it from a high level sense. And then that foundation will have like, here are the places where the next bits of code should should fit in. And then mm. you can think of it as smaller pieces, basically. And that should minimize time where instead of doing it all from scratch, you'll find out like, oh, okay, I could only reuse these two pieces here, but that still saved me some time. And if you get lucky and you're like, oh, okay, here's like 10 sub modules or something. Mm -hmm. And I was able to reuse all of them. Excellent. Saved me a lot of time. Um, And even in that case, if you realize like, oh, there's nothing I can reuse, you're still using the um, existing thing as like a framework of like where I need to go next and what I need to implement Mm. next. Uh, And that should still save you some time, like ideally. There's definitely yeah. a worst case scenario where you try to do this and it just like fails <laughs> and, and it does <laughs> take longer. But I, I think um, I, I think that's the main thing. I, I think the thing that trips up a lot of people, um, depending on like, I, I, it might be different based on people's personalities, but I find that I personally, when I try to start by like looking at what I already have and then trying to move it over, I think that trips me up. Whereas when I start with like looking at it, getting a sense of how it works, starting in the target like, code base, and then and then adding things. I think that tends to work better for me.
1: I love that. That's really cool. Yeah, I like the idea of using your other code base, which maybe is incompatible, um, but as, as pseudocode. Um, because a lot of times, I mean, you you know, <clears throat> the idea being that you can read that code really well because it's something you've, you've built yourself. It's in your workshop. Um, I've noticed something that I do a lot is I'll like, uh, when I'm working in Unity, I'll refer to my HTML5 games for the math stuff. Right, yeah. Because I'm like, I know I can't use the code, I wish I could just copy paste this, but I'll at least be like, oh, right, it's cosine, not sine, okay, blah, 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 and I'll just uh, have that as a reference at least. Um,
0: yeah, no, I think it's very helpful, like, just in terms of like, oh, here's like, um, oh, this particular way I set up like a for loop or something like that, mm. and you look at it and you're like, oh, of course, I can just, that kind of stuff's so easy to to paste over. Um, uh, and, and that is a, like an opportunity to speed things up. Yeah, definitely that the math, the, like, um, the use of like logic is, is really easy to like move over.
1: Um, yeah. I love that. Um, that's a pretty good segue into something I'm interested in, uh, which is, um, what, what tools you're using and, and anything that you like or hate recently. It sounds like you're using unity for, or for mid autumn. I'm using unity. Uh,
0: uh, I think, uh, folks might be surprised by is that I'm actually using unity 2018, uh i I work in older (laughs) versions of unity uh because uh the newer versions i I teach in newer versions of unity so i I, don't get me wrong i I like a lot of the features i just find there that with um it's not true of all engines but unity in particular you i often wait until some time has passed before i try something in a new version because there's just a lot of like uh kinks to work out when when a new version launches and uh i started mid-autumn in 2018 uh well not sorry i didn't start it in the year 2018 i started in the version of 2018 mm-hmm. uh and then i was like am i gonna need to upgrade it probably not there's probably not any features that i couldn't like get to work here mm-hmm. uh because i've done both i've done i've worked at studios that literally were operated on the like latest version of the engine at all times and would always update i've worked at studios that didn't um update I've worked with studios that have done a mix and just my personal preference is I just think it's a lot less it's a lot more stable to just know what the limitations of something is and what you can and can't do and just like decide this is out of scope this is in scope uh we can use a workaround here mm-hmm. um, and at this point yeah like like 2018 2019 those are ones that I'm super familiar with you know 2020 I've been using um I haven't used like the latest version, that much. Um, but yeah, that's what I'm using for MidAuto specifically.
1: Very interesting. Yeah, I've uh, I've noticed uh, sometimes like I would just update all the time, but then I'll get like some news, and you, I'm sure you've heard some things about Unity that gets you kind of scratching your head at least, and you're like, "What?" And then my my strategy of just always being on the latest and greatest, I was like, "That's probably not great." So I'm just gonna lock it down here on this version that works, and I haven't updated in a while. I'm on 2020 right now, I think.
0: Yeah, so I'm I'm a, I'm pretty extreme in terms of how far back I use I it. I love that. Uh, you can definitely you can definitely make games right in 2020. Like I I don't even need to tell anyone because obviously people are like shipping games in it already. Yeah. Uh, but I think for for me, I I like to, I just like I like that stability. I just like not having to worry. Uh, not having to be like, because well, also there are some times where I've been on a, in a studio and uh, you have that uncertainty of like, oh, should we fix this? Oh, this is a problem with the engine itself, but it might get fixed. And like, and, and so sometimes you wait and just see, is it going to get fixed? And I like knowing like, this is just going to be broken forever. So I need to figure something out. Mm. Uh, and that, that certainty saves me a lot of time, I think
1: interesting yeah because the external uh, dependency basically it's a, it's a maybe never right like they even if they're like we're going to fix that next launch who knows if they will right you might be waiting months and uh, a lot of times we can't afford to do that right
0: yeah and I, I just think it's a it's a like it's a logic trap of like but if we wait and it gets fixed it's the best scenario and and so so oftentimes you will make that call and sometimes it is the best that's the that's the problem sometimes waiting was the yeah. best
1: yeah oh that's Uh, that's rough right i uh i have noticed that with like i I was working in html5 games exclusively in my early career around 2010 or so mm -hmm. and then um i put it down for a long time to go work on for other companies and also unity stuff so i I picked it back up recently and it almost is like that waiting thing where now all of a sudden i have things i've always wanted like import uh, all these new features in the language i'm like you can just do this now like i used to have to use like a flood fill or something for Mm -hmm. that uh but now i can just uh I can just use these cool new features um yeah no for me
0: i was like or it once once nested prefabs was were possible in unity i was like probably Ooh, okay i'm probably that was a good okay update. that's like that was when i like was like definitely update for that
1: and then that was a then really good I one like,
0: yeah uh but essentially uh yeah every time there is a new version of unity like I do take a look and I do look at the features and sometimes I'll do like a, like a cost benefit analysis, uh, probably not for mid autumn. Cause mid autumn is like in 2018 at this point, that that would be a ridiculous thing to jump through. But, but, um, that's basically what happened was like 2019. I looked at it, it. was like, I think we can survive without these features. 2020. I was like, I think we can survive. And I do it based on the project. So, so some mm. projects I would, I would absolutely roll up in like a, like a newer version of the, um of the engine uh it's really just like that a lot of the stuff that's happening in mid-autumn is actually surprisingly low tech there's just a lot of it basically like um you know it's procedural narrative but procedural narrative is really just like there's a lot of text and you just pick the right one and you put it out and that doesn't really require that much like you know extreme features it's just like you can just write that and as long as you know what you're doing uh it will work
1: <laughs> i love that yeah you can just write that yeah i think we forget that sometimes right like the tools are really cool sometimes and the ui is nice you're like i want to use that tool but it's like sometimes you don't need it you don't need to wait for it you can just do it i like that a lot yeah
0: um, no i'm a big proponent of sometimes doing it the dumb way is fine and, and just like it will like <laughs> save you time
1: to do it mm. that way. i like that um so just a couple more questions for you and uh, mm-hmm. these are these are fun ones um here's one i like to ask because uh, it gives you people a good idea of um um what kind of gamer you are is uh, so let's say you're a scenario where you're going to a desert island or you know, mm-hmm. a cabin in the woods or you know a secluded vacation for you know a month or however you uh however wanted however long you wanted for your favorite games like a handful right like what are Mm -hmm. are some of your top you know uh old classics or new ones you just will take you with you forever you know three or five or just some of your some of your favorite games
0: Ooh, okay um let me think so putting on the spot here i know oh no there's definitely there's definitely things i can suggest i think the thing that i always uh i'm a weird like stand of has always been the fable games like mm. um, the lost chapters especially that's my favorite one just because it's got like a really nice uh like kind of whimsical vibe i just really enjoy being in that in that world uh but i also really liked uh two and three i'm a very like easily entertained gamer so like uh like here's the, here's the thing i love the bioware games Mm. um and i i love like i've lo- i've enjoyed every single like mass effect game even like the, the i remember like the ending of three was like super super controversial uh but i had no idea until i w- went on the internet because I, I played three and i was like very satisfied had a good time <laughs> went to log on the internet and i was like no no i i get it i get the criticisms but also it had no effect on my enjoyment on the game i just had a good time good. uh so yeah um those yeah a lot of the bioware games for sure um what else i feel like i really like a lot of the dark souls uh bloodborne type games Mm -hmm. those are just fun to like um you know i I really like a lot of small games but i also have like having one or two really big games to kind of just like whittle away at and those are really fun Mm. games to kind of just spend time in and kind of like make incremental progress um I don't know. I feel like maybe I could. I could keep going. Uh, I don't know how. I <laughs> don't know what ones. limit I have. I feel like but like here's two franchises, three yeah. franchises, but yeah. Um, I I could I, definitely. Those would probably be like my first choices. Um, but they, you know, I I love lots of different types of games. Like I, I love like character action games. Uh, there was a time when I was like really into first person shooters and. Uh, I'm not so much now, but that doesn't mean mm. like I, I I've just played a lot of them. That's that's it. Like I I've right. played enough probably to enjoy them. Um, and I also love um, like little turn-based games. I remember really enjoying like the Banner Saga a while back oh, when it came one. out. Uh, just like yeah, like like uh, <laughs> I'm just trying to think of games <laughs> that I had a fun like a fun weekend to play or something like that.
1: Yeah, um, nice. those are those are really good picks. Yeah, love it um lastly this is a, a fun one have you ever made a game all by yourself if if you have what are they and if not have you thought about what you would
0: all by myself um let me think um put you in the spot again I'm sorry. i mean it, one that's like oh like one that's like exists <laughs> really I i don't know if there's one that like exists somewhere i feel like i feel like maybe i you know i'm being needlessly like uh, rigid in that but I feel like I've gotten help on most things that I've made
1: it's Some, I think that's okay I I, I usually get help like um, yeah. one one of my games I did everything except like I, I used assets for the sound effects and then I just used a, a, an unrelated album of music my friend had released right yeah. so like someday I do want to do every single piece like whatever that means but like you know I think it counts if you're the person who's getting most of the stuff done Uh, I mean you should credit people right but like yeah. once in a while you'll have like a friend who made you like an icon and like, yeah, totally credit them. But like, you know, you made the game, right?
0: Yeah. No, I think, um, I think most of the stuff that I've done solo would have been like small game jam stuff. Oh, fun. Um, I I like collaborating, so I think that's the thing that I enjoy doing with with larger yeah. projects. Also, it's easier to spend money. It's easier to spend money when it's other people, <laughs> as opposed to like when it's just me and I have to go. Like, is this good? <laughs> and I, just ask I agree myself. with you. So, yes. um, yeah. so that's a, a harder call to make. It's much easier to have people on your team telling you, like, no, 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 this is good, and then you go, like, cool, I'll spend money here. Um, whereas when it, when you're doing solar projects, like, I do a lot of my prototyping. So, like, mm. like I said, I try to make a game that I could feasibly make a version of myself um uh, but it wouldn't be as good so like when i was prototyping mid-autumn that was basically like the first you know a few months or so i was doing everything uh and then we would you know bring people on and so um I definitely enjoy making games by myself. I think as I when I add budget to things, usually what I spend it on is bringing bringing folks in to help. Uh, and definitely, I don't know, like some of like the first things I made in like like when I was learning games would also count as like solo projects or things like yeah,
1: that. Yeah, I, I bet you've got a bunch. You know, uh, uh, back in the day, um, I've I've got a friend who's like kind of has a bunch of games like that that he made and they're just kind of lost. You know, uh, I've got a bunch of games. I still have them on disk. that were made in QBASIC right which was a yeah that definitely. worked in like the 90s but i can't get him to run anymore i should no i i think I the first Foxboxes, stuff i was started
0: making was like in in flash probably in action script Ooh, and
1: stuff. yeah uh
0: yeah i was probably like in high school or something just being like i'm gonna learn how to make flash games uh
1: that. and they're not good, <laughs> they're not <very> good. <laughs> yeah <laughs> um... yeah of course yes i love that awesome Oh man, but, these are these are yeah. great answers. Uh, this has been uh, very educational for me, and uh, I really appreciate being here today.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. It's always great to chat with folks, and it's a lot of fun now.
1: Thanks for listening. Head over to Mid Autumn on Steam and give it a wish list if it looks cool to you. Hey, a quick couple thoughts about making big indie games. First off, thanks for checking it out. Once the launch price ended, I wanted to keep it going, so I extended it another week, and then decided to just stick with that launch sale price. I know it's a big ask, and you know, anyone listening to me knows there's an ocean of free game dev content on YouTube and a million other websites. So it's a premium package designed to show your support for me and what I'm doing, and I really appreciate that. You are being played out by After The End, which you are free to use in your own projects. Now it's time for you to go make the game.